At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you're all being safe. Hope you're all healthy, taking care of each other, staying indoors. Just uh, keep doing what we're supposed to do, and hopefully we get through this together. Recording again from my home, so apologies if you hear any bad audio, background noise, anything like that. Going to have uh, James Andrew Miller on today to discuss the Curb Your Enthusiasm season and finale, and uh, some Monday Night Football, ESPN, NFL, CBS news as well. Uh, we do the football first, then we get to the curb stuff. So uh, James Andrew Miller, of course, wrote the book on ESPN, knows that place better than anyone, and uh, has also done the podcast Origins on Curb Your Enthusiasm, interviewed the cast, so he's an expert on both. So uh, in this podcast here, we will first start with Peyton Manning rejecting ESPN, NFL contract talk, and then we get to a Review and evaluation of the Curb Your Enthusiasm season and season finale. And uh, we'll kick it off right now with James Andrew Miller. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, SI Media Podcast regular author, podcast host, reporter, wrote the book on SNL, ESPN, and many other things, James Andrew Miller. Jim, how you holding up? I'm okay. How are you? Hanging in there, doing my best, and uh, at least we had Curb uh, every Sunday night to uh, distract us, and uh, I know you wanted to come on and... uh, Discuss the season and the finale, so we'll get into that. Um, before we get into Curb, though, I, I, I'll just, this is ridiculous, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Marshan reported yesterday that Peyton Manning has turned down ESPN. Is ESPN going to try to fill this booth now, or how does the corona play into it? Are they going to wait? Do you know anything about it? You don't want to talk about it? Get right to Curb? But no, I mean, look, first of all, I, I don't know how many more times Peyton can say no. Right. The guy, the guy does not want to be in the booth. First of all, the guy thought about being in the booth, and then all of a sudden, you know, we had the situation at uh, CBS where Tony Romo is uh, the boy wonder, and who the hell wants to be compared to that? And there's a lot, a lot of issues for, for Peyton on something like that. They tried before, and to tell you the truth, the idea that it would go, well, it might be Tony Romo money. Um that's that's like a Papa John's commercial that Peyton used to do. Like, you know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I think I'll I think I'll work. You know, I'll work nonstop for you know twenty weeks uh, and and drive myself crazy uh, with preparation and be compared to Tony Romo, so I can you know make. It's just Peyton's not in that part of his career. He doesn't right. need it, and there's not a lot of upside, particularly when then you realize. You have to worry about some of the production issues that they have and the schedule issues that they have and everything else. Um, I think that they might, to answer your question, I think that there's some interesting things going on now. If you look at CBS's valuation, I mean, my God, they might have a hard time bidding on football. This thing, as, as one of the things that's going to be interesting for people to pay attention to in terms of media stocks and how it relates to the NFL is these are billion-dollar contracts. You have a you have a uh, valuation that's uh, that doesn't support that kind of contract. That's the kind of stuff that makes uh, NFL owners really, really sheepish. And uh, we might be seeing a rearranging of the uh, the NFL schedule in terms of the new rights, just based on some of the economic factors affecting some of these media companies. 
So you, you think there's a possibility CBS could be out of the NFL game in the next round of negotiations? Well, look, they are they have a huge target on their back to begin with, Jimmy, because Les Moonves is no longer part of the equation, and Les Moonves was their MVP in terms of dealing with the NFL. Remember when Thursday Night Football came up, there was no doubt in my mind that CBS was going to get it first because of his relationship with Bob Kraft and, and a lot of the NFL owners. And I think that now with Les gone, um, that CBS Sunday afternoon package, uh, I'm sure Bob Iger is looking at it. I'm sure others are looking at it. So CBS was going to be in a very difficult position um, from the start. I think one of the reasons why they had to spend the money on Tony was um, not only did they lose the SEC, I can imagine Bob Backish saying to uh, to Sean, you better not lose the SEC and Tony Romo. So they had to spend money with Tony Romo on Tony Romo. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hope that that is going to be some wind at your back uh, in terms of, you know, securing, help securing, uh, you know, the slot, the keeping the Sunday afternoon slot. But, you know, it may not be enough. Uh, at some point, companies can only do, particularly public companies, can only spend a certain amount of money. And so all I'm saying is I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch the valuation of that company. And, hmm. um, you know, for you look back on it at a time, remember when, when ABC was looking at the previous package, they were losing $175 million on Monday Night Football. And that was considered just, you know, unacceptable loss by most of the board. It's only $175 million. And now Disney's having to go out to some credit markets in, in their financial situation. And so I just think that, you know, while we all do our analysis of which company, which network wants which package and are the packages going to stay the same and who has the inside track, we have to understand that there are some macroeconomic elements at work that are going to that 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 might prove as in the case when turner decided not to go for the um not to go for the nfl years and years ago after they lost so much money on Waterworld, um we should start paying attention to them as well it's pretty uh it's pretty big news there so i like you said i mean my thought process when you had mentioned you know who knows if cbs gets the nfl package again is you know they just lost the sec so they would uh, have pretty empty weekends if that ends up being the case. Well, <clears throat> you know, we don't know the gravity of this crisis. It's obviously right. going to fundamentally change the social fabric of our world for, for quite some time. But we're starting to see some numbers in the stock market. Um, and if we really do have the kind of economic um, issues and challenges moving forward that a lot of economists say we will, um, there's there's no telling what how that will bleed into um, other other things. And the NFL is amazing. They just they want to just keep going forward like nothing's going on. Yeah, I understand. Everybody gets to say that at some point, and then at some point, you know, um, I mean, look, you look back on two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, you know, the corporations weren't buying suites anymore at stadiums, and prices went down for a while, and prices. Here and prices there. I mean, I think it's kind of silly to um, just assume that everything is always going to be is going to be the same, or at least in the same trajectory as we've been forecasting over the past several years. I think my original question was about the Monday Night Football booth uh, and where ESPN goes from here. Um, so, I guess is that on hold for a little while? 
I mean, I think they're, I think that they, they have to start understanding what they can do internally. Mm -hmm. They have to also, I mean, I think the big, big question that's always been there is, do they want to rob Peter to pay Paul? Uh, You know, do they want to mess around with that? um, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet dynamic on college football. They spent over $25 billion securing college football rights um, more than they did. Uh, they spent $15.3 billion on their last NFL contract, and they spent more on college football. The national championship they spent a ton on. So I'm just wondering whether or not they um, are going to – I mean, that's one of the biggest questions they face. And then, you know, then there's all these other possibilities. Um, but they're clearly past plan A, they're past, which is Tony, past plan B, which um, was Peyton. And um, – so, you know, do they miraculously hold on for another year with the current team or do they start to, you know, patch something together for a while? All right. Well, I that's all good stuff. And I, personally, I think they need to stop with Peyton Manning no matter what happens and whether it's a 2020 season and then, you know, they fill the booth for a year, go back to uh, enough with Peyton Manning. That, that's my two cents on it. Yeah. Well, I think that message has been received. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, let's get to Curb. You, of course, hosted a phenomenal podcast, your Origins podcast. One of the chapters was on Curb, which, if uh, anyone has not listened to it, you need things to do in this time. I, I suggest you fire it up. Um, Don't you wish Curb was the tenth season was starting like last last Sunday? Because I feel an- like it would have just been so great to have ten weeks. Mm-hmm. These next 10 weeks of, uh, I mean, obviously there was no way that we could have planned for it, but boy, oh boy, right. we could have used it. That's an excellent point. That is an excellent point. And uh, I think if, if, you know, you had a season that began now with Larry dealing with social distancing, um, it, it might have brought so much needed levity to everyone. Well, if you're going to take this nightmare that we're all facing and and say to somebody, look, we need a coping message for it. Um, I, I think Larry David's a, a safe bet. God knows what his mind would do with that whole idea. Not to mention the fact that you're, that you're kind of locked in a home with certain people. I would just love to, to think about the fact that, you know, God knows how they would twist it around, but who would be coming over to Larry's house? And then can you imagine Larry and Susie stuck together for two and a half months in a house? That's a, exactly that to me right there. And well, let, that brings us right to the finale because that's gold. Jerry, that's gold. It, it, it is more than gold. You had, uh, we had spoke off the air briefly and you asked me what I thought of the finale. And I said, let's save it for the pod. And I did not love the finale. Um, I had a lot of, listen, did I laugh at times? Yes, but I was disappointed. And Susie ties into that. I would have liked a little more Jeff, Susie, Cheryl, Richard Lewis, Leon, instead of all the fringe people and characters that we got. That's my assessment of the, I mean, to not have a big Larry Susie blowout. I mean, they had one scene with the couple about, uh, you know, do you want the baby to be darker or lighter? But they, we did not get a vintage Larry Susie moment in that finale. Cheryl, nowhere to be found. Richard Lewis, nowhere to be found. So I was disappointed. I loved the season overall. I thought the first episode with the Make America Great Again hat was tremendous, and the John Han episode might have been the best one of the season. So overall, I give the season a solid maybe B+, but the finale, maybe a C. Um, All right, so let me talk holistically for a second, because I do want to say that um, I thought that 
season nine. Um, you know, look, it's it's always easy for us. I mean, Larry David is fucking brilliant, and this show is a marvel. And thank God we have it. So when we say, when I say at least, you know, this season might have been better than this, we're always talking about like you know on the margins and stuff. I thought season ten though, this season was much stronger than season nine, and yep. I, I thought that it. Um, not only did I love the MAGA hats, but I just thought the whole the whole first episode of the season just exploded. I mean, there were just so many unbelievable the the Harvey Weinstein sleeping with Cheryl. I mean, it was just there was just there was just so much going on. But I think to your point, um, I think there's one bit of context, and then I'll shut up. But there's one bit of context that we have to always remember when we're looking at a season finale, which is that Larry David hates the word finale because you have to go back to the Seinfeld finale, which Larry had come back to do, which was a, you know, huge undertaking, which as people may remember, brought back many of the cast members and special guest stars through the history of Seinfeld. And it was a, you know, he really wanted to be a chutzpah tour de force. And um, to his dismay, and I think to a lot of people's surprise, uh, a lot of people didn't like it. And so the last thing that um, Larry, and I talked to him a little bit about this, but the last thing that he was ever going to do in any of these seasons is like say, okay, season 10 is the last season, which means that, you know, the final episode of that is going to be the curb finale. He's never going to let us know. I mean, he may just slink away and that might wind up being the last episode, but he's never going to be like giving us this big thing. So right now we're waiting to see if smoke comes from the Larry David chimney and there'll be another season of Curb sometime. But but we were left with a finale, I think, that I was surprised because, I mean, Mocha Joe is, you know, he's a great character actor and it's a great person, but it's not like, it's not the it's not one of the legs of a dining room table that you build a a season around or for that matter a final episode and so i i agree with you i thought that i kept on wanting more of our gang and i i also felt like there were a couple of things that were you know set in motion and i really didn't think that there was a a kind of a final payoff to Cheryl and um and Larry i thought Cheryl Cheryl was much stronger this season. Last year, she and Ted used to walk through these scenes. And, uh, you know, I, I felt bad because I, I didn't really understand why they were there, you know, a lot of times. And they were just kind of like, it was great to see them. And it, they're always fun, but they didn't really have a role. This year, like Cheryl, you know, right from the beginning, she had, you know, she was doing something. And so um, I felt like that wasn't paid off as well um, at the end. I agree. I thought Cheryl was great this season. and. I mean, the last thing that Curb is, is a sentimental show. And I have to say, I I was very sentimental in wanting them to get back together and to remain together. Uh, You know, I don't, I didn't think Larry would ever do that, but I always thought the show was better when Larry was with Cheryl, because that was more of the minutia that they can get into with couples, married life, et cetera. Um, And I thought you saw, you know, I thought they had some really strong stuff this season. So I was, I was disappointed she wasn't in the I final finale yeah, at all. I, I look over the course of 10 seasons, I think it's pretty cool that they separated and because you had some fun divorce episodes. And then of course there's nothing better than Larry being 
in the dating world and the train wreck that he is um, in terms of asking women out, hooking up with women, um, you know, breaking up. I mean, you know, that was, there was, there was a lot of mileage for that, but I thought it was great that once they started together this season, like that there would be at least some sort of thread running through the journey of their, of, of their overall, you know, um, relationship. And then I guess the only other problem is it's not a criticism because in, in a way you love it, but early on in the finale, in the season 10 finale, he's driving on San, San Vicente Boulevard, I believe it is. And he pulls over, you know, for the fire trucks and then he winds up going to his coffee shop and the fire trucks there and he's admonishing them for, you know, kind of fake siren and they, they kind of admit it. But then I thought, well, this is Larry David. So there's no way that just stops. So at that moment I thought, oh my God, I guess the way they're going to end it is the shop is going to burn down because you, you just kind of get used to some of the rhythms that he, he has. It doesn't mean that they're ruined, but it just, you know, sometimes it, they're telegraphed in a way that you just feel like, um, okay, I know where that one's going. You know what I mean? It's in, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I have to say one of my predictions throughout the season after Larry introduced his um, men's urinal with, that shuts down with a, with a, uh, like a window type thing, I had said to myself at some point this season, there's going to be someone who ends up getting their penis chopped off by that window or stuck in the urinal. And then in the finale, when they had the Chaz Bono character, the um, Funkhauser's uh, son, played by Chaz Bono, and Larry made a whole big deal about how big the the penis was, I figured, okay, this is where we're going. And especially like before he set the fire where he knocked over the the, the mug, I was expecting him to go, you know, take a leak and then the window would shut on the big penis. And that never happened either. So I thought that was a setup for the whole season. And then he went in a different direction and the penis knocked over the, the heated mug. Instead. I think it's so funny because clearly Larry loves gadgets. And yeah. if you remember in season, I guess it was season eight, may, I think at the end of season eight or maybe not the periscope, you know, which had um, that would have been something that he had been thinking about for years, but I'm never, he, he loves it. And I love it because he loves it so much, but I, I'm always much more engaged with his observational and humanistic, um, you know, humor rather yep. than finding humor from a particular gadget or something. Um, you know, I just think he's so, he's so smart about those observational things and the quirks and the everything else that every time we get involved in one of those gadgets, it's like a, a little rabbit hole that we go down for a while. And, and that's what I think was great about the John Hamm. There were a lot of things that were great about the John Hamm, Hamm episode, but I felt like there was a lot of Larry getting into the minutia of things in that episode. There was a very small, very quick scene during the season. I forget the episode where he's in a restaurant and he puts the napkin on his lap and he's like, you know, y- you ever catch anything on this? And it's like that little thought right there, because we all go into a restaurant, we put the napkin on our lap and we never really end up with food on our lap. Um, and it was that, like that little, I was like, this is, that's the stuff I love on that show more than anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, because look, the truth is that one of the great pleasures of Curb is that Larry has all of our unspoken thoughts spoken for. He, I mean, when somebody pulls into a parking lot and they're halfway over the other line, the line of the next slot, like we all look at that and we think to ourselves, what a jerk. And we walk away and Larry will just stand there and look at the person and say, what, what are you doing here? You know, you're over the line. You're like, right. and it's just like, there's so much vicarious pleasure from that. 
you know, that he says things to people that are, you know, that none of us really do. But as long as you were mentioning John Hamm, I will say that he really, you, you got to hand it to him, man. The stars were out this year. I mean, Chris, oh, Lyle, yeah. Terry Polo and Chris and uh, Clive Owen and Vince Vaughn. And um, it was, I mean, it was, uh, it was really pretty, pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Vince Vaughn because that was another thing I was a little befuddled about. Was well, he should have been called Vince Vaughn? I didn't think he should have been called Funkhauser. Well, that was so. Vince Vaughn was a was a Funkhauser nephew, if I'm not mistaken. Cousin, I guess. Cousin. But the and point then, is, I don't understand on Curb one of the rules because Mila Mila Kunis obviously is Mila Kunis, and Chris Lottie is Chris Lottie, and John Hamm is John Hamm, and Clive Owen is Clive Owen. But like. You know, Wedding Crashers, and uh, I mean, there's a bunch of Vince Vaughn is is no rookie, and I didn't see what the upside of having him be a Funkhauser was. You don't need to explain it. I just I thought he should have been Vince Vaughn. I mean, I understand Terry Polo maybe doing you know a character you know spot, but but I just don't. I didn't understand that one. Well, that that was the thing. So they had Vince Vaughn on as as Funkhauser's cousin, and then in the finale, uh, Funkhauser's son was in the episode as well, but they never really mentioned Funkhauser. I think maybe Chaz was Funkhauser's nephew. I'm not sure where this son, but. Oh, I thought it was, they said it was his daughter who transitioned to his. Uh, okay. Maybe oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. So yeah. my, but there was never sort of a wrap up of the Funkhauser character. There was a, they alluded to the Funkhauser character, but nothing direct, you know, and with the passing, um, I would have thought there would have been maybe, I know again, Larry's not sentimental, but it was a weird way to keep the Funkhauser uh, connection. I thought with those two characters. Right. Cause I mean, I, they said he was in China, which is totally fine. A great way to just deal with it without having to deal with the sadness of it. Of course you don't want to do that, but yeah. What was the upside to Vince Vaughn being a Funkhauser? Um, you know, I just, I think it would have been more fun to see Vince Vaughn as Vince Vaughn, just like we got to see everybody else. And we saw, I mean, Laverne is Laverne, you know, I mean, it's like there were a bunch of, uh, I mean, he really, he really flooded the zone with some, some, some big names and, uh, that's always great. It's just the Vince Vaughn thing was a little strange. Yeah. Um, and give people a little, a quick taste of what the origins podcast is. If anyone hasn't heard it with curb, tell them what they could expect if they want, if they want a little more curb while they're self quarantining. Oh, well, I mean, listen, Larry was Larry and Cheryl and Susie and uh, everybody, Richard Lewis was unbelievable. And I'm so glad I got the opportunity to talk to Bob Einstein before he died and um, Richard and others. Uh, What I tried to do was tried to go back befitting the name origins to the very, very first, um, kernels of, of what that, of how the show developed. And a lot of people will remember that there was actually a, a mockumentary that started on HBO and then it became a show. And, um, and to really talk about the process, because the other thing that I really enjoyed doing with everybody, including a lot of the writers I talked with Larry, Larry Charles and, uh, and others, um, was talking about the process of Curb because it really is um, unique and it, 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 they don't sit around and, you know, get in a room and, and write uh, drafts after drafts after drafts of a script. You really have these amazing, talented people like Susie uh, that are able to improvise. And while there is a architecture to each episode and a narrative structure, um, there's so much, there's so much room for improvisation that, you know, they do many, many takes 
And I also interviewed Bob Whitey, the great director of some of my favorite um, Curb episodes like Palestinian Chicken and the Doll, the, the Doll's Head. And he talked about what happens in the editing room and the process of that. And so um, I, I really, it meant a lot to me. I was so appreciative of everybody's time. And then what I also did was we have five episodes that that each kind of like talked about things and J.B. Smoove was amazing. And then I we also released the individual interviews that I had with each of the people. So there's two different ways to uh, to listen to to the chapter. Excellent. And are you? I know you're doing an HBO book. Um, are you getting Larry to sit down with you for that? Um, yes. Well, of course you can't do uh, right. Can't do this book without without uh, going deep on Curb, and uh, it's a you know it makes me happy that I get to write about it again. Um, and then, any new origins coming up? I should ask that. We're doing um, my next chapter is a 20th anniversary of the movie Almost Famous, which is one of my favorites. I, oh, a lot of there'll be a lot of interest in that for I sure. Made a big deal of showing it to my daughter on her 12th birthday because I think it's one of the best coming of age movies ever. And I got Cameron Crowe and Kate Hudson and Billy Crudup and Francis McDormand and Patrick Fugit and uh, Jason Lee and even Peter Frampton and Nancy Wilson and. I mean, I got, you know, everybody and it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun. We were supposed to, in two weeks, um, be on stage for the opening of the Tribeca Film Festival to talk about it, uh, the, um, you know, the anniversary. But I I think, I hope that's going to be postponed uh, to, um, so we'll still get to do it. But um, it's really one of my favorite chapters of Origins that I've done. Um, So let me ask you a quick question. Do you think there will be? another season occur. You know, I, I, I'm going to say yes, only because I think if we get through what we're going through right now in this complete disaster, um, of what's happened here in this country, I do think that when it's all said and done, here's what's interesting about Larry. Larry is thought of as this miserable guy, this curmudgeon, this unhappy fellow. If you see Larry when he does interviews promoting the show at the beginning of each season and on your origins podcast, Larry loves his castmates and he loves doing the show. And he he always talks about how fun he how much fun he has doing the show, how much he enjoys being around these people. And I think when you have the deal he has with HBO where he can sort of do it whenever he wants, why not do another season? So I do think we will get one. By the way, the other thing about HBO, and I'm not trying to be a whore for them right now, but <laughs> I know people notice the running times of these episodes this season. I mean, 36 minutes, 42 right. minutes, 33 minutes. Like it's it's really it's an amazing thing for um, somebody, particularly like Larry, who used to get car sick um, by some of the NBC notes early on with Seinfeld, right. to be able to just deliver. And we talked about that in the podcast that I did. To, to be able to just deliver what you really want to deliver. And if you need more time, you get more time. And um, to do it, there was seven or eight years in between seasons eight and nine. I mean, right. that's unheard of. So, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is really something, you know, this is history. And uh, I certainly hope he comes back. I think he will. And I think we will have another discussion about it. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on and uh, giving us some information and 
uh, discussing Curb because it, it was definitely a great season overall, despite the the, the finale. So I appreciate uh, being able to chop it up about it. Likewise, and uh, please uh, be careful out there. You too. Stay safe. Thanks for coming on. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary. At Bed Three Six Five. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that wraps up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. My thanks to James Andrew Miller. Uh, If you're looking for something to do during this crazy time and you need some downtime, check out the archives. Have some great interviews with a lot of media people. Uh, If you've never checked out the pod before, if you're not a subscriber, go into the archives. You'll see names there you like, I guarantee it. And uh, we always have big conversations. And uh, please stay in, stay safe, be healthy. And we'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.